Earlier this month, the Hochul administration released an updated financial plan to reflect the recently adopted state budget. So we're going to consider the state's short and longer-term fiscal outlook with the help of Patrick Arecki, Director of State Studies for the Citizens Budget Commission, a business-backed financial watchdog. Welcome back to the show, Patrick. Thanks for having me. So, Patrick, when you saw the financial plan was out, what page or section of the 400-plus page analysis did you immediately gravitate toward, and why? Well, the first thing that stands out is just that it was released, and it was released at a period where we're over two months into this fiscal year that the budget covers. Um, so that's the first thing that is kind of disappointing, is that we're, we're nearly a quarter of the way through the fiscal year, and this is our first comprehensive look of what the enacted budget is. Um, we and other watchdogs have recommended repeatedly that the state issue at least basic summary data of the fiscal situation when the agreement is reached. So the first page, in terms of the actual contents to answer your question, is the gap sheet. So what happened, all the puts and takes, and whether the budget is balanced this year and going into the out years. And what we see is that the budget is balanced for fiscal year 2024, as is required under state law. And just for listeners' understanding, when we say fiscal year 2024, that's the fiscal year we're in right now, even though it's calendar year 2023. When we say fiscal year 2024, we're talking about April 1, 2023 through March 31st, 2024. Yes, yes, exactly. So that year is balanced. And then starting next year in fiscal year 2025, we see, unfortunately, big gaps open up on paper. So for next year, the next fiscal year, we have a $9.1 billion gap right now. And in the out years, there's about 13.5 to $14 billion gaps in the next two years. So that, that's a, a big, big concern. Not only does it kind of show the fiscal risks and, and big hill that the state has to climb, but at this point, we're only seven months away from the next budget being proposed by the governor. And when that happens, there's a $9 billion problem to fix as things stand right now. Well, how does that $9 billion gap compare to what was forecast back when the governor released their executive budget proposal for 2024? Was it comparable or has the deficit grown? It grew and it essentially doubled. So at the time of the executive budget, the fiscal year 25 gap again next year was about $5 billion. So it grew to 9.1. And that was mostly because the state saw some souring in the tax receipts landscape going forward. So made a big re-estimate of tax receipts that opens the gap up by several billion dollars more. And when we're talking about a $9 billion budget deficit in a budget that is likely going to be in excess of $230 billion, should we think of this as a big hole that is a challenge to close? Or should we think of it in terms of the percentage of our budget and that is not necessarily so scary when we're talking more than $200 billion. Yeah, it is a huge problem to solve. By any measure, closing a $9 billion gap is A, more significant than a typical even pre-pandemic budget where coming into budget making with multi-billion dollar gaps was was frankly kind of common and there would be actions taken to, to close that gap. $9 billion, though, is bigger than a, a kind of typical going into budget making gap to close. So it is a massive hill. Well, we've heard a, a lot about Governor Hochul and before Governor Hochul, even Governor Cuomo putting aside some money into our quote unquote rainy day funds. So does a $9 billion deficit represent uh, cloudy skies or is that uh, a downpour that we need to uh, tap into the reserves for? Well, the reserves, which is to be positive about something in the budget, the improvements to the state reserves over the last two years are 
incredible. That it is one of the biggest fiscal achievements of the state in recent years. Went from about $2 billion in savings to nearly $20 billion right now. Those funds, the rainy day reserve, kind of the chief lockbox that the state has, can only be accessed under a five-month period of economic deterioration. There's a very clear way to unlock those funds, um, which the state does not have right now, and it would be even if we started this month, several months until you could access that balance. More concerning is that $13 billion of the nearly $20 billion we have in savings is not in such a lockbox. So the state could tap into it, even if the economy is still expanding, things are still good, could draw down those so-called reserves just to close standing gaps that should have been addressed in other ways. And when you say should be addressed in other ways, you're saying some sort of structural long-term solutions that are either done on the spending side or the taxing side, as opposed to one-time gap measures being used to close these holes. Right, which is what CBC recommended kind of throughout budget making was some spending restraint, not even cuts. We're talking about if the state had stuck to a true 2% year-over-year growth in state operating funds, you could close those gaps over time under that kind of previous projections. And you talked about the tax receipt projections being responsible for the worse economic outlook. Is it possible that the people in the division of budget in responding to the initial tax receipts that we've got for 2024 have overreacted, that there's something unique about April and the money that was coming in then uh, that won't be replicated in June, July, August, and so on, and numbers could be better than expected? You know, if anybody ever asked you to bet on tax receipts and said, will they come in higher or lower than is currently projected, all else equal, you should always take the over. The fiscal projections are always uh, conservative and should be. Um, The issue is $9 billion is a lot to see naturally come out over the years. And when you have gaps even growing to 13, nearly $14 billion in the out years, that's a huge problem to just think it'll be solved naturally. So I think being more proactive in gap closing is going to be absolutely necessary. Anything else from the financial plan itself stand out to you, either because it confirmed something that you believed about the state's finances or or represented a, a surprise? It confirmed the need to be serious about closing gaps in, into the out years. We talk about these paper gaps of 9 to $13 billion. They're only even that low because there are temporary tax receipts that the state still has on the books. That's a few billion dollars. We're still drawing down federal aid from the pandemic. And we had a big cash glut over the last couple of years that allowed the state to prepay expenses in those out years. So we think that the structural gap is even larger, probably as much as $20 billion when you get out to 2027. Well, for listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're talking about the state's financial situation with Patrick Arecki, Director of State Studies for the Citizens Budget Commission. So, Patrick, in addition to the charts and graphs in the financial plan, there's also various narratives that are shared in the plan. And one of those narratives was highlighted recently by the New York Post, which reports on the now unlikelihood of the federal government authorizing the state's disbursement of more than a billion dollars in federal health care money for bonuses to health care workers. What does that potentially mean for New York's future? Are we going to have to cut our friends in Washington, D.C., a check for $1.3, $1.6 billion, whatever it is, or will they simply take it off uh, our aid in the future? Or is it possible that 
Governor Kathy Hochul will be able to lobby uh, federal officials to change their mind about this. Yeah, as with anything in the Medicaid program, which is the single largest in the state budget, the state runs the program, but the federal government authorizes it. So when the state makes a change, it submits an amendment to its plan to the federal government and says, can we please do this and will you pick up half the cost? There are plenty of examples over the years where the federal government has said no or disallowed money that the state already spent, and the state had to make up for it Mm -hmm. mid-year or over multiple years. I think, you know, More broadly on that issue, it shows that there are not only revenue risks in the financial plan, but this is a cost risk. This is something that can contribute to a bigger gap if the state then has to pick up a cost that it assumed the feds would pick up previously. So, you know, that's the type of thing that can exacerbate your gap problem. Well, sticking with the narratives in the financial plan, there's a reference from the Division of Budget that they don't anticipate any legislation with significant fiscal impacts being approved as part of the end of the legislative session. When you think about that statement, does that mean to you that the legislature hasn't signed off on anything that the governor's going to have to sign that is going to dramatically increase the state's costs or that the governor will likely veto anything that comes to her desk uh, that might uh, increase costs uh, even a little amount? Yeah, I think that's probably a basically boilerplate language, and I, I think it's prudent from, from DOB to, to make that clear. If we went back through veto memos over the last many years, I think one of the most common reasons we would see for a, a veto is that it has a cost that is not accounted for in the financial plan. And that is a a wise step to take mid-year, not to put new costs into the financial plan that you can't accommodate that weren't enacted in the budget. It's our position that fiscal items should always be within the context of the budget. New York has been in the process of shepherding along a marijuana marketplace and trying to weed out the illegal marketplace at the same time. What projections, if any, are we making about future revenues from cannabis based on these uh, different moving parts? Recreational marijuana taxes are something that we've seen repeatedly be taken down in financial plan updates because the program has been, been difficult to get up and running, which is not entirely strange in the national context. It, the programs that have been implemented across the country, it takes years to get the market set up and then to actually, you know, build a robust tax receipts base. So it's not totally surprising. Um, It isn't something that is going to blow a huge hole in the budget for a couple of reasons. First of all, we're talking a few hundred million dollars in a couple hundred billion dollar financial plan. And also all the funds from that are dedicated to specific purposes, chiefly education. So, you know, something to pay attention to. Certainly it's it's important, but not something that's going to make or break the budget. Another revenue element that I'm fascinated by is money from gambling, whether that's sports wagering, casino gambling, even horse racing. What projections, if any, is the state making about this fluid uh, arena? For example, are we anticipating a major influx of state tax money as a result of the development of downstate casinos? Is sports wagering going to continue to tick up? What does the financial plan have to say about this? Yeah, mobile sports wagering is something that's almost the exact opposite of how marijuana played out because basically as soon as the state legalized and got the system up and running, the tax receipts flowed way higher than than DOB projected initially. Um, so that was a, a good positive variance. Again, all of that money is dedicated to specific things. 
so it's not something that changes the, the state's budget gap significantly. On casinos, the, the table gaming sites, there are, you know, the expectation that three sites will be awarded downstate over the coming years and, and set up and begin operations. What we saw in this budget was the governor and legislature agreeing to commit a lot of that revenue to the MTA, basically to use it as a, a cross-subsidy for the MTA's budget woes. Well, finally, Patrick, when are we going to get to do this again? When do we get the next financial plan update? And what are you going to be looking for in that one? Good news is it's not far away because the budget was delayed and this one was a little bit later than usual. The next one will be July 30th, approximately. So everybody can circle that on their calendars. We'll see how the numbers change. We'll have a couple more months of of tax receipts data. So what assumptions are made uh, and how those gaps change. Is there anything else in that financial plan that you'll be looking for? Is it just about those out-year gaps and, and the tax receipt revenue? Or are there other indicators that you'll be looking at? July is, is quite often pretty much a copy and paste of enacted budget. And since these two updates are coming so close together, I wouldn't expect there to be a huge change unless there's some major economic shift that, that causes changes. Well, we've been speaking with Patrick Arecki. He's the Director of State Studies for the Citizens Budget Commission. Patrick, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Is your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.